0: Come on,
1: man. Stand on, man. Stand on Speedway
2: proudly presents Rapping on Racing, the Tri-State's number one motorsports talk show. Today's program is brought to you in part by our marketing partners, recognized by the Eastern Motorsports Press Association as one of the top racing shows in the eastern United States. Here's Rapping on Racing.
0: Listeners, Joining me now is co-host Dave Oliveri. Dave, good evening. How are you? I'm doing
4: well, Don. Just um, uh, uh, a fun weekend at Pittsburgh. Uh, unfortunately, the remnants of Ian uh, took its toll on the Saturday show. And just some things that transpired over the weekend that we'll get into that um, just really caught most of us in the racing uh, industry kind of by shock but we'll just cover that towards
0: the end all right let's get right into it our guests tonight include tom golick the 2022 jennerstown speedway modified champion and the pittsburgh pennsylvania motor speedway report with tyler harris and bill Korch, and that'll be concerning the bill Hendren memorial at pittsburgh uh,
4: we have a nice interview with uh, driver Steve Hendron, who runs the Haascar car from Hendron Racing Engines, and, Don, it was an interesting series of events. When we got to the track on Friday, uh, there was some uncertainty with the weather that was going to happen on the weekend, and, and in the driver's meeting with the Rush Late Model Series, there was going to be a two-day show. I'm not sure if Tyler's going to cover this in his report or not. If I do, I kind of apologize, but... Uh, Long story short, it was $4,000 to win on Friday night, and it was a $10,000 to win on Saturday night. And the races had already been canceled for the Saturday show. And Steve Hendren, who runs this race in honor of his father, and we'll get into that with an interview that I did with him, uh, based upon the sponsors that they garnered, they decided to forego the 4000 race on Friday and make it a ten thousand to win show Saturday evening. So, a tip of the sponsor to, or a tip of the hat to Steve and all the sponsors that he gathers for the, his tribute race to his dad.
0: We also have an interview with Wyatt Alexander, who was the champion at Speedway Six Hundred and Sixty, which is in Canada. And Lenny Baticki has a great interview with him. Also. Uh, I want to mention Dave and Beth Dragovich. Uh, they live in New Smyrna Beach and a little bit of damage. Water came up to the driveway, but the neighbor across the street lost a tree, and uh, Dave was over there helping them t- take care of that. But uh, lucky that they didn't have any serious damage. Dave listens to the show every week. He's a former contributor at Rapping on Racing and RPM Magazine.
4: Well, Don. I mean, you know, fortunately, you know, Dave and Beth were spared with, you know, no damage at all. But, you know, from myself and watching some of these scenes for the, the area, the Fort Myers just got hit. You know, my, my thoughts and prayers go out to all those involved in the cities that, I mean, it's going to take, it's not months; It's going to take years to recover from this storm, uh, if ever, gone.
0: Well, Governor DeSantis figures at least three years. And some of the things you have to think about, where are they going to put all of the debris?
4: Yeah, that's always an issue. It's just, um, it's not like you can just, you know, dump it anywhere. It's just something that, um, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's unfortunate in the lives that it affects. And, you know, we were kidding, or I hate to say you were kidding during the week, and it's such an aftermath of this, but. You know, for all these people that if you don't have electricity and you happen to have an electric car, it's going to be a little difficult to get around. Yeah.
0: Hey, some of your comments on your interview with Logan Roberson, and we can go into the whole thing when we play the interview, but uh, seems like a nice fellow.
4: He is. He just had a very unfortunate circumstance. Um, he lost the motor while leading his heat race, and I'm not really sure what all the particulars were for the rush series provisionals or whatever they gallantly tried to get a motor exchanged in in, in roughly about 20 minutes to half an hour and it didn't happen and unfortunately uh, the points leader that was heading into the evening didn't even get a chance to race that evening
0: Yeah. well any closing thoughts on uh, the racing weekend it turned out to be just one night
4: yeah um, it's hard to believe as you know we're airing this on monday we're into october and um the only good part about that is i get to see you in, an, in about another month so that will be good when we uh you know take the rapid on racing down the charlotte motor speedway at the third track so looking forward to that and there's some more local tracks that are just going to have some hit and miss shows uh throughout the next couple of weeks and you know hopefully mother nature will cooperate so our fans will at least get one or two more opportunities done
0: you did an interview with rick eshelman last year and unfortunately he passed away this week but we've made arrangements to play your interview as a tribute to him some of your thoughts on your discussion with rick at the firecracker last year
4: you know little did you know and we often take situations and life for granted um things happen and things transpire things we don't have control over or things that we look at individual we think everything's okay and it's not but a uh, little did i know that uh that would be the last chance i would get a an opportunity to talk to rick and well, when we heard the news that happened on on saturday uh, all our hearts you know, collectively sank and i knew i had done a couple interviews with rick's in the last couple years because like i said generally i used to spent some time with him at the firecracker and I reached out to you just to make sure it was okay, but this will be an opportunity for our, our listeners, the drivers and anybody that was a uh, Rick Eshelman fan to see not really here, Rick Eshelman the announcer. It was just you know a one on one I did with him for about twenty minutes and um uh, and I look back on it. Uh, I'm so grateful that I had the opportunity to do it on
0: he expressed his love for racing and told you that in 2028 he was going to hang up the microphone i don't know what precipitated his death but it left a hole in my heart and i really miss the guy we were good friends had a lot of fun uh, just uh, just a super guy
4: he had He had a special affection for you. I don't know what it was, and every time I did an interview with him, most of the time you weren't around and he always kiddingly had a you know a comment for you, which was uh you taken on to Schneider or whatever you want to do, but that was Rick, and like I said, this is for all of us a, a tough one to swallow it on
0: well, the nickname or the running joke was he and I. Uh, unbeknownst to me, he was at Pittsburgh one night, and it was a senior series race plus the regular pure stocks. And we decided, uh, Bob Heim, my crew chief, said, why don't we run in both races? So in the pure stocks, we won the Heat, the Dash, and the Feature. And in the seniors, we won the Heat, the Dash, and I think we finished second in the behind it uh, Bobby Heim, but it was funny in the lineup area some young kid said, he said, uh, "What's that old guy doing here?" And later later on one of the crew went over and said, "You mean that old guy that finished 12 spots in front of you?" and uh, the kid just slithered away but that was his Rick name, uh, that was Rick's nickname for me and he always said that and I, I just get a big smile. He says, "The National Street stock champion from Pittsburgh." Yeah,
4: that that was just, you know, definitely Rick's uh, infectiousness. I think that, to me, and for so many of us, is the hardest pill to swallow. Uh, You just never, never know, and I'm just going to leave it at that,
0: Don. Okay, well, you have a nice evening, and I thank you for all your excellent interviews, especially that one, and uh, we'll talk to you next week.
4: Yep, looking forward to it, Don. Talk to you later.
5: This is the Banker Bob Thought for Monday, October the 3rd. For those of you who bet on sports, remember there's no such thing as a sure thing. Goliath was a 40-point favorite over David.
0: Dave's interview with Rick was last year, and as a tribute to him, we wanted you to hear this great guy and his love for racing. May he rest in peace. Listeners, joining us
4: at Lernerville Speedway, and this is the risk of no time, and we're talking to a good friend of Rappin' on Race, and myself and Don Gamble for many years, the voice of the Morton Building's World of Outlaw late, late Models, Rick Eshelman. I don't want to say welcome to Lernerville, because this, this is like a home away from home for you. <laughs> Absolutely. One of my favorite tracks, you know,
6: you come here for the firecracker, that you the neat thing about this is when you drive up 356, whichever direction you come from, there's campers. And I mean, there's campers everywhere. There's flags flying. You may see a little smoke from a campfire. Kids running around, guys playing cornhole, people walking around with a cold drink. The dogs are out. I mean, it, this is just, this to me isn't a race. It's more of a party where a race broke out. But let's face it, the party is great, the racing is great. I love Lernerville Speedway. It's been one of my favorites. I actually came here, Dave, you probably don't know this. I first got my license. I came here at the age of 16. I had heard about Don Martin's Lernerville Speedway, and I, and somebody said, you've got to go there. It's just outside of Pittsburgh. You've got to go check it out. Well, I got in my 1973 AMC Gremlin and filled her up and came to Lernerville, watched the race, slept in the parking lot, drove home the next day, and then went to school on Monday. <laughs>
4: That Gremlin probably now at one time may have turned into a, a, a dirt modified. It may have become a dirt modified, being a 73 right around
6: the time the Gremlins were big in modified. So somebody may have bought it and took it. I'll never know, though.
4: You know, you know, we talk about You just said, you know, it, it, there is three days of racing. But as, as General Manager Michael Izekoski said, it's It's really not a race. Like you said, it's an event from what you see. And now from what the track does and what the outlaws do with the cornhole and then the autograph session. I mean, the crowd's the last two nights here, Thursday and Friday. Now, we've had some Chamber of Commerce weather, which, you know, how many years you've been coming here doing this, Uh, we usually get that R word, uh, and you never know when it's going to come.
6: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you go back to the beginning of this when Scott Bloomquist won the first one. I can't remember more than maybe one or two weekends where we had sun and none of that other stuff for three days. This is amazing. And the way the weather's been this year, especially across the Midwest, which ends up over here in the east, you would think, okay, well, the forecast beginning, heading here, it's like, oh, boy, we're going to have to deal with Friday and Saturday. Oh, boy, now we're only going to have to deal with Saturday. Now we don't have to worry. We, we'll just go racing. So somebody called in a favor somewhere, and it paid off, and here we are with beautiful sunny skies, a little bit of cloud cover. It's going to be a great night.
4: Yeah, track's been different both nights. But, you know, we'll, you know, we talk about the firecracker, but you're a big part of the Stampede. That is, isn't again, it, it's a couple days of racing, but it's, it's an event inside a racetrack. Oh, yeah, there's no doubt the Steel City
6: Stampede is one of those races. A lot of people say, oh, why do you want to go watch eight or nine classes? And they're racing all the time. Think about what you just said. You have eight or nine different classes racing. It's racing all day. You get to see cars you may not see all year long at one place. The prices are phenomenal for this type of racing and it's the little guys it's not the big national travelers that come into this race it's the regional local guys they get to showcase their stuff like the one that i would have to say mr stampede has got to be chris schneider he comes with three four different class cars he'll win a couple of them but he just loves being here brian Ruhlman comes and brings a couple of cars it's one of those things where it's the end of the year you got one last chance to get a race in. yeah it might be a little bit cool who cares You're going to remember this race when you've got six inches of snow on the ground. It's going to go down to 10 degrees. You're going to have a 30-mile-an-hour wind, and you're talking wind chill of zero. You'll remember that October race that you were there and got to see one more race before all this bad weather come in. I love the Stampede.
4: Yeah, there's been some epic events over here. I remember the one year I, I think the Kings brought some boats in, and you talk about a bonfire. I don't know, that that thing. I left at like one o'clock in the morning. I came back like at two in the afternoon. I think it still was blazing.
6: Yeah, I think they party just as hard, if not maybe a little bit harder, at the Stampede because let's face it, it's the local regional guys that don't get a chance to race in front of a good crowd, and be the center of attention, you know, instead of just a field filler or maybe a support class. They are all the main class because we highlight every one of those divisions, and it's a really neat thing for those guys. I love it. We do the same thing at Charlotte, Dave. It's called the World Short Track Championship presented by Dryden. That's the weekend before the World Finals. Eight or nine classes there, all under the dirt car banner, and it showcases all the little guys. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that that they are not the national spotlight drivers. They race just as hard. They pay the same amount to get in, but they put on one heck of a show. I love those types of events.
4: And you come here on a regular night. You know, you have the big three, but like you said, the pro stocks are probably one of the best races of the night. And uh, listeners, what we're going to do is we're talking to Rick Eshelman, and we're going to take a commercial break, and we'll be back shortly. Listeners, I'd like to take this opportunity during the break to be able to share this interview with Rick that I happened to do last year. It was heartfelt to me. It was heartfelt to Don, and it's just something that both of us wanted to share one more time with you, the listeners. Listeners, we're back from our commercial break, and, and joining us is Rick Eshelman, the voice of the Morton Billing Super Late Models for, for the World of Outlaws. Rick, we, we were sharing some just some moments with the firecracker and the stampede, but last year, everybody, as you guys were head, ready to head to Florida, or you were in Florida, the world just, I don't, I don't want to say stopped, but it turned upside down into where... What well, we take for granted in terms of entertainment, we didn't have it. And I think that one of the things that I really took from last year was the fact that between you know, NASCAR... And then towards the end of May and June, when we had when, when we ran on this vent last year, th- this was one of the first events that the world kind of opened up in. You know, we were masked and we had rules and regulations, but you know there was a little bit of normalcy back in our life. But that's changed now. We're back to normal, sort of. Uh, last year, from a, a standpoint, when you're on the road and then traveling as much as you as you do. There were some things that, I you know, I had an opportunity to watch Dirt Vision, and we'll talk a little bit about that later on. It's just from you as a, an announcer, you draw off of the fans, and to look in victory lane or from where you're broadcasting to see empty bleachers had to be difficult for you as many years as you doing this and as big as a race fan as you are.
6: Well, you know, like you said, Dave, last year we ran our last race in March, and that was the beginning of March at Smoky Mountain Speedway for the Tennessee Tip-Off Classic, and then all gates were locked, which is, uh, I'm going to just stay out of the political realm of this and just talk sport. The gates were locked, and we were on mini-vacation. Well, then things started to get to where people were getting a handle on things, and they thought, you know what, we saw what happened, Out in South Dakota. They're the ones that started racing. They said, you know what? We can do this. We can do it the right way. And they did. So we said, okay, we're going to start racing towards the end of May. So the weekend, one of the last weekends of May, we went to the Jackson Motorplex in Minnesota to no fans. Okay, now it's okay when you get there. You know, there's no fans in the stands. It's all right while you're registering cars. The good thing for me was the position that the tower's in at Jackson, you can't see the majority of the grandstands unless you stand up. I made it a point to sit down and call the action because I wasn't sure how I was going to be able to react to not seeing anybody there and running through my mind that this isn't a race. This is more like a practice. Well, it wasn't. So I went into race mode just like any other time, any other year, any other race, and it worked out really good. Both nights went well. I felt bad for the drivers, you know, because they jump out of the car. You know, Ricky Thornton Jr. got his first ever win. Climbs out of the car, we shoot the confetti, but you hear no clapping. It's like, okay, this is different. That's when it sunk in. The next weekend, we go to Davenport for two nights of racing. I announced from a table in the covered grandstand area, nobody around me whatsoever, nobody in the stands, I was under a 5,600 seat grandstand with nobody around me calling the event. That's when it sunk in that, you know, things have changed. Things are different right now. But what I will say is once we got back to racing, we had great crowds, everybody used their head, they did the right thing, they went by rules, They did whatever it was necessary so they could be at the races. Because I tell you right now, Dave, we are the only sport in the world last year that had fans from the get-go once we went back to it. We had fans. All the other major sports, even college sports, any sport, no fans. Some of them didn't even play. So we were fortunate enough that we did the right thing. We followed the rules. We followed the guidelines. We complied. And we did what we do, which is put on an entertaining show for hardworking fans that spend their hardworking money to come and be entertained. And that's why I think dirt racing this year is so popular. It's due to the fact that we did not tuck our tail. We said, okay, we can't do it this way. What way can we do it? And we did.
4: And I, I think you also had a storybook picture last year. And uh, in, in really both series, because you had Kyle Larson, that story is just still out there that everybody followed it, and it was such good medicine. But I do have a question to ask you. You, know, you did it from the grandstands. You did it where you couldn't see. Did you ever have, did you do a broadcast where you were in the studio and watching the race on a monitor and calling it? The only broadcast that I did was the first iRace. I
6: did it from the Dirt Vision Studios in Concord, North Carolina. Myself and Todd Morey, we called the iRace for World of Outlaws Late Models on eSports. And that was the first time I've ever called a race solely on a monitor, so that's added to the resume. You yeah, add to the resume, no fans. But uh, yeah, calling from a monitor isn't as tough as you think. Obviously, experience has a lot to do with that. But the Dirt Vision people make it so easy to follow along the action they have great camera coverage and it is just one of those things that you know it was different but
4: I'm glad I got to experience it fans we're talking to Rick Eshelman and we're going to take a break and we'll be back shortly
0: Dave's interview with Rick was last year and as a tribute to him we wanted you to hear this great guy and his love for racing may he rest in peace
4: Listeners, we're back from our break and we're with Rick Eshelman. Rick, we're gonna wrap things up. You know, again, it's been great, you know, having a chance to, you know, talk to you up and, and, and your good friend Dow Carnahan Media Center. And we all miss Dow and you know he'd be a big part of this weekend. But t- tonight at Lernerville and throughout the season, Dirt Vision in the last couple of years has really changed the way fans across the United States watch a race. I mean, I can be in Pennsylvania, you can be out in Minnesota, I can put Dirt Vision on, I can, I'm can. i right in my living room, and I, I can see you and, and listen to you, and it's great. But from an announcer standpoint, anything a little bit different, or it's just it's something that's just modern technology that really spruces things up for the fans?
6: Well, originally, when this all started out, way back in the day, it was Dirt Radio Network, you could get live audio. People could listen in for free to the audio part, but they couldn't see anything, Well, then Dirt Vision kept progressing and kept getting bigger and kept getting more, you know, technically sound. And they said, okay, we're going to start videoing races. So then they started doing the major events. Well, then it got to be where, okay, now we're going to showcase the sprints every event live on Dirt Vision. And that took off, and it flew. I mean, people just love seeing the sprints. Like you said, no matter where you're at. And a perfect example, two weeks from now, you're going to be in PA. I'm going to be in Minnesota at Jackson Motorplex. So that's a good tie-in. But um, over the last few years, you know, they said, well, if we're going to do the sprints, let's do the late models. There might be somebody in California that wants to see us racing in South Carolina. And they took off with it. And, you know, we not only broadcast every World of Outlaws lap. We broadcast every lap of every class that runs that night at that particular track. So people get to see maybe who a Chris Schneider is or, you know, maybe who a Brian Schwartzlander is or something like that to where they don't always get to see those guys. Maybe never have heard of them, but they at least get a taste of it. So then they say, "Ooh, well, if that's on Dervision, what's this stampede? Hey, it's some of those guys we saw at that race that night. We got to get it. And it's just a terrific thing. There's replays, there's a drone coverage during the night. And now we've in, instituted the Dirt Vision big screen. We have a big screen that is at every racetrack. It will play highlights from previous races. It plays commercials. It shows live footage while we're doing the redraw. And you know as well as I do, not every track like Learnerville has great seating to where there's no you know, blocks or too far away. So for those tracks to where maybe the seating, you can't everybody see the same thing, that screen is there to aid them. It's something really neat. They get to see the replays because, you know, Joe's sitting next to Bob. Bob says, 12 took two out. And he said, no, no, two come down on him. Well, when the replay comes out, then they settle that bet right then and there. I mean, it's just a great tool. It's cool to see all these different classes run every single lap all the way through to the end. And I just think that it's one of the greatest things a lot of people said. Uh, you start broadcasting races, people ain't coming. If I'm not mistaken, Dave, we've had two pretty darn good crowds here at Lernerville the first two nights, and every lap's been on Dirt Vision.
4: I I I'm I'm am I'm fanatic just like most of the people are in the stand. I'm watching the race and I got the dirt vision in front of me, so I'm I'm getting the double whammy on it. But last night I was listening to you call you know, call the heat races and last night in Chubb Frank Yeah. <laughs> Well, obviously, we wasn't in the one star. We was in the one nine nine. But I hear this iconic voice, Chubzilla. <laughs> and, and Rick, you're just known for so many great names over the years. And just, for, you know, to wrap things up, maybe share. Because a lot of these drivers aren't racing anymore. So they're gone, you know. Yeah. I mean, you have the Scott because So we'll just, you know, throw a couple of them out. Well,
6: I mean, you talk about drivers, And you talked about the ones that aren't running anymore. You know, someone like the Kentucky Colonel Steve Francis from this area, the Floodwall Flyer, Mike Balzano, the Bartman, Bart Hartman, some of those guys. Now, granted, I haven't given all nicknames, and I'm not going to give every driver nicknames, and there's announcers out there that believe drivers don't need nicknames. But I'll tell you what kept me going on these, and I've backed off on them a little bit, obviously. They don't need to flood people with nicknames. They want to hear Dale McDowell, not Mac Daddy. But the point is... Probably some five years ago, I heard two little kids, and they were taking their cars in the dirt, they cut their own little track out, and they were taking their little matchbox cars, and they were racing. And one kid said to the other kid, which one are you? And he says, I'm Black Sunshine. And the other kid says, well, oh, I'm the Rocket ship. I knew who they were talking about, so obviously they knew who they were talking about. These kids relate to stuff like that. Now, the the older generation, you know, mid to older, they may think, okay, that's kind of corny. And yes, it is corny. I'll admit. I'll be the first one to admit. I I may be the king of the nicknames, and I give some really bad ones out. But in the same respect, it's part of the fun of announcing and entertaining the crowd. The crowd here at Learnerville and at most tracks are smart. They know who these guys are. So if I was to say Jason Covert instead of the Shade Mountain Assassin Jason Covert, there's, there's a little bit of a difference. You kind of give a little flair to the driver, and not every driver is going to get a nickname. Not every driver wants one. Some actually have come up to me and said, hey, can you give me a nickname? I need something for my shirt. If I got a penny for every nickname I gave, and they went on shirts, I'd be a millionaire. Ask Brandon Shepard. Ask Tim McCready. Ask a lot of these guys in the pit area. They've gotten nicknames just because it hit me. You know, I just come up with something stupid,
4: and sometimes it, it would stick. Well, it's funny. We'll we'll, we'll end with this one because we, you know, we know you got things you got to do here today. But we talk about names and how names can change. Josh Richards, yeah, Kid Rocket, now the Rocket Man. Right. It's amazing what sixteen years can do. Well, actually, I gave that to him. After he won his, I
6: want to say, maybe third championship, I said, you know what, you're not a kid anymore, Josh. And this was on the victory stage at dirt track at Charlotte. I said, you know, you've been Kid Rocket, which is kind of cool, but, you know, you're old enough to vote and shave now. We've got to change this. And besides, you become a man winning in this series this many times, so we're going with the Rocket Man. And he liked it, and it stuck. It's just one of those things. And, yeah, they do evolve. But uh, summer's never going to change. You know, Chubb Zill after he won the world. How can you not go with that? That That's a t-shirt waiting to be sold. And some of the other ones, you know, they're corny nicknames, but I have fun with it. It's not something that I will do all the time because when you're calling the race, you've got to call them by their names. You can't, you don't have time to come up with that nickname, and that's not the place for it. And it doesn't have to be used every time, but it's a lot of fun. I doubt that I'll ever probably drop it until I retire, which, mark it on the calendar, November 2028 final race at the world finals at Charlotte that will be my swan song
4: well Rick I want to thank myself and Don you go back a long time with Don Gamble we want to thank you for what you do to promote our sport you know you're one of the true pioneers out there and and, and let our fans know what's happening so you, you got a busy schedule the rest of the day and I look forward to hearing you call the race tonight and I'll see you back for the Stampede. Sounds
6: good, Dave. And yes, after all these years of being on a flip phone, they gave me a smartphone in January of this year. I started tweeting in February. I'm up to 1,700 tweets. I've never touched a smartphone until February of this year. So follow me at Rick underscore Eshelman on Twitter, and I would most definitely appreciate that. I'm still learning this thing, so pardon me when spell check says you're, you're an idiot, because I probably was. <laughs> Thanks, Rick. Thank you, Dave. And Don, the National Street Stock Hall of Famer, always love being on your show, buddy.
4: Listeners, I'd like to take this opportunity during the break to be able to share this interview with Rick that I happened to do last year. It was heartfelt to me. It was heartfelt to Don. And it's just something that both of us wanted to share one more time with you, the
0: listeners. This portion of today's program is brought to you in part by Curtis Power Solutions. The success of Jennerstown Speedway is no secret. The hard work, dedication, and commitment of the track owners, Larry Heminger, John Morocco, and Richard Polo is the reason. I thank these gentlemen for their marketing partnership with Rappin' on Racing. Through their support, our show was able to bring all of the motorsports news to our many listeners.
7: When you choose Zarin Truck and Automotive in South Heights, Pennsylvania, you are choosing professional automotive repair and maintenance performed by expert automotive technicians. That's Zarin Truck and Automotive in South Heights. I
0: want to tell you a little bit about Area Auto Racing News. Nice uh, newspaper. It covers a lot of good stuff. Some of the writers, Dave Moody, Ernie Saxton, Walt Weimer, Chuck Bollinger, Dave Dragovich, just to name a few. As a matter of fact, Bollinger, Dragovich, and uh, Weimer have been part of Rappin' on Racing for many, many years. You can get 50 issues for $56, but what I like best is a digital subscription, which is $45. Really neat uh, paper. If you need more information, you can give them a call at 609-888-3618. That number again for Area Auto Racing News, 609-888-3618. You won't be disappointed.
8: Hi, this is NASCAR driver Josh Berry, and you're listening to Rapping on Racing.
0: All right, listeners, joining us now is the 2022 Modified Champion from Jennerstown Speedway, Tom Golick. How are you? Doing good, Don. That has a nice sound to it, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, I like yeah. that. Actually, you're de- we're the defending champion. We yes. have uh-huh. we have so many things to talk about, and I'd like to start off with your dad. I always enjoyed talking to him, and more and more times that I had a chance to talk to him, his roots in racing go back with some pretty impressive people. Woody Brock or Forbes, Pete, some of the people that he dealt with uh, when he was a younger guy has to be the reason... That you got into racing?
2: Yeah, I mean, it was kind of, you know, um, once I came along, Mum kind of shied him away from racing a little bit, you know, but he would still, you know, he, he wasn't involved like the day-to-day operations with a lot of those guys, you know, like he was before. Yeah. But uh, we still went to the races a good bit, you know. I don't remember too much about going to Heidelberg, but I do remember, you know, a little bit there and, and going to South Park and some places like that. But uh that was i was pretty young then
0: soft park was quite a place and a lot of the Mm -hmm. guys that steep hill to get up there oftentimes they had to start their race car up and push the tow car up the hill (laughs) because it was so steep
2: didn't have enough power yet
0: yeah when did you decide you wanted to begin driving
2: um, I'll tell you, actually a couple of friends of mine, uh, we went to, uh, motor drum, which I mean, I only live like six miles away from here Yeah, and, uh, we went up there right after I got out of high school and, and, you know, watched the races and I'm like, man, I think I can do that. I mean, I could drive, you know? Yeah. And, um, so the following, uh, summer after the you know, racing season was kind of winding down, I bought a six cylinder car off of Bobby Dow's and that's how we got started in 78.
0: Didn't they call them fender benders?
2: Yeah, they were fender benders for a while, and then, then they called them the six-cylinders, six you know. Um, but, yeah, they started off, I think, as the fender benders, yeah.
0: Then, and uh, I know, I don't know what the color or, num- or the number was on that, but your entire career, Potter blue number 98, and yeah. how many?
2: Well, the car Bobby had was a 93, okay. and we just closed in the other side of the three and made it an eight, and, yeah. you know, it was 98. and The color scheme, I had a blue and white pickup truck. And um, you know, it was the open trailer that everybody had back then. And you know, Dad said, you know, whatever looked good going down the road with the same color, yeah. You know, car as the the truck is. So that's that's how we come up with the the paint scheme, and it, it stuck.
0: What was the next step after the uh, six cylinder?
2: Um, I bought a um, actually a, a car off of Bill King Sky. They called him Sky King. That actually Tom Funk built yeah. um, and raced. I, I believe he raced as a late model to start with. Yeah, but um, we bought that car and I got a um, a big block Chevrolet off of Forbes Pete, and we started racing the the street stock division and we won the championship that next year um, It motored Drum over a young man by the name of Jeff Dunmire at the time.
0: Yeah, that's impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe that was a a Chevelle, wasn't it?
2: Yes. Yep. Yeah.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, I know Farmer Funk when he ran it was number ninety eight, but. Uh, uh, once you got it, we went with the normal colors and numbers. Now, mm-hmm. how long were you in that division or that car?
2: Um I believe three years that we were in there. And um, uh, they changed the rules a little bit to, to almost like what the uh, Chargers are now. And uh, we actually sat out like a half a season. And uh, that, that class wasn't really going real good. And uh, Butch Overly said, you know, he said uh, – you know, why aren't you guys racing here anymore? I'm like, you know, Butch, you changed the rules on us. And uh, he said, well, if we change them back to the way they were last year, I said, there's 13 cars. We just came from Maryland. We raced down to Cumberland, Maryland this afternoon, you know. He said, you get them guys here next week. He said the rules will be the same as they were ne- last year. So
0: well, that was yeah, a good... he
2: changed them back, and we started again, uh, you know, in the, in the 79 season, you know.
0: Butch was a good man. I always. Yeah. Oh it, yes, he was. Yeah, and he worked hard for that place. I remember when uh, I raced at the old motor drum and then when they said they were going to build a new track, uh, they had to move a lot of dirt to get that down where the track was, didn't they?
2: Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, and uh, I mean, when you first walked in there in the early seventies, you know, with the high banks at that, that place, had, I mean, that looked like uh, Daytona Beach compared to you know some of the other dirt tracks that you saw, you know.
0: So how long were you on the dirt?
2: Uh, I raced 13 years on dirt. We you know, we started in that 6 owner division and a couple years in street stocks, a couple years in semi-lates, and uh, my buddy Ron Skrinovich twisted Marm into getting into a late model, and uh, we raced four or five years as a, as a late model um, with their motor drum in Pittsburgh, you know. We had some good times with there, but we just didn't have the money or the equipment to keep up with guys. Uh, You know, guys like Lynn Geiser, Blackie Watt, and and, uh, Bob Waring and them guys, you know. But we had a lot of fun.
0: Ron Skrinovich is quite a character, I guess. Oh, yes, he is. Yeah, I always enjoyed hanging out with him. Uh, Is he involved in any way with you now?
2: Um, Not, I mean, like physically, you know, helping us with the car or anything like that. But he does a lot of, um, I call PR work. I mean, he'll talk to different guys about different setups and, you know, relay some stuff back to us with, things that Howell's doing or seneca's doing or somebody down south you know and uh, you know we'll try some stuff that he's you know he's like technical advisor i guess
0: yeah fans so if you're just tuning in we're talking to tom golick the 2022 uh jennerstown modified champion um obviously dad was an influence you guys went to a lot of races uh were you ever involved as a helper pit crew whatever on any other cars before you started with your own
2: no not really i mean we just uh dad and i bought that car off of uh, bob Dowls, and um you know i mean we didn't know a lot of things about it um you know forbes peeped out us a good bit bob did you know whenever we first bought the car and we kind of learned a lot of things on our own and um uh, you know, but I, I never was in anybody else's pit, you know, crew is before that.
0: I always ask the drivers, and I even though I know the answer, what do you like best about racing?
2: Uh, I, I mean, going to the racetrack, you know, a camaraderie you have with some of the other drivers and your friends there to the pit crew. And, I mean, I like driving the car, too. I mean, you know, you, you hate working on them as much as you have to. But, um, you know, really, really enjoy driving the cars.
0: Imagine with two cars now, uh, you spent even twice as much time in the garage. And I'd like to talk about why you came out with a spare or a second car.
2: Well, um, we were actually, uh, Harry and I, Harry Ofer, my brother in law, uh, we had the chassis that Peanuts Eustace had on his jig uh, and he was working on when he passed away. Mm-hmm. And we've been gathering parts all the last three or four years, and you know we wanted to put that car together because it was peanuts. It's kind of like a tribute to him. And um, we had all the parts, and um, this car came available, and we're like, you know, the gauges and, and the wiring and the brake pads and everything. I mean, the brake lines and everything is already on the car. And Harry's like, let's just build that car as a backup, you know, so we have uh, if we need it, you know, for a championship run here. And we're probably going to save ourselves a lot of work and money, so we just went that route. And it's the same car as uh, mine is. It's a left-hander, so, you know, a lot of the parts went back and forth on both cars and it just made it a little bit easier that way.
0: One of my favorite comments from Peanuts, and that's another character you were involved <laughs> with. Somebody asked, uh, Harry's pretty good welder. He said, uh, how good a welder is he? He said, he could weld aluminum foil. And mm-hmm. I never forgot
2: that. Yeah, my sister teases him about that all the time. She said, I, I got to see that, you know. Every time we have something on the grill or whatever, she looks yeah. at Harry like, you want to weld this a little bit? And uh, he just so, laughs.
0: So it's a family joke. Now, yeah, I, yeah. I want to talk to the people that are on the spare car and uh, a little bit about how that came to be.
2: Uh-huh. <laughs> well, uh, it's primarily sponsored by um, Operation Veterans Now, Uh, The gentleman that's in charge of that is Tony Aubrey. Um, We put uh, some uh, decals on our car last year uh, for some of the veterans' uh, deals that they had at the racetrack there Memorial Day and that. And uh, he had asked me over the winter, he said, you know, I know you have some primary sponsor on a car, but we'd like to, you know, get on board with you for a little bit more. You know, And I'm like, well, I have a whole other car here that has nobody on it right now. And he said, are you kidding me? And I'm like, no. I said... He said, we'd like to do a paint scheme on the whole car. I'm like, you can do whatever you want to do on that car. So, um, you know, Tony and uh, his graphics guy got together and come up with a nice flag paint scheme. And he's got several different um, organizations that he deals with, um, you know, that he's associated with uh, suicide prevention and stuff. And they have all their ads on the car. So that's how all that came about.
0: Now, I know before he retired, Pete Rex said, that's it i'm not going to do this anymore and then the mm-hmm. next thing i know he's driving your spare car how did that come yeah. to be
2: well he's pretty good friends with uh harry ofer and um you know i mean originally we were talking about you know just just the spare car we was going to get it out maybe three or four times this year you know just to have it at the track and uh, basically it was a backup for me in case anything happened to it and then uh When uh, Tony stepped up and wanted to, you know, do more advertising on a car, we're like, you know, we're going to try to get this out, you know, maybe seven, eight times. It went to a couple car shows for them, the different organizations that they are associated with. And, um, you know, I asked Pete, I said, you know, you want to drive this a little bit more? Well, he got in it the first night, and he's like, wow. He said, this thing is way faster than what I ever drove before. And I'm like, okay, well, you can drive it as much as you want. You know, you just let me know. We'll get it to the racetrack for you
0: fans stand by we're going to take a commercial break and we'll be back with more discussions with Tom Golick after these messages this portion of today's program was brought to you in part by Curtis Power Solutions
9: no one covers motorsports like Rapid on Racing for nearly 40 years Rapid on Racing has provided the best in motorsports information with knowledgeable and veteran reporters who cover all forms of racing. Weekly reports include local dirt and asphalt racing from Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia, plus the All-Star, Lucas Oil Late Models, NASCAR, Rush, and the World of Outlaws. Listeners get the latest breaking motorsports news. The show features special guests, local track reports, driver interviews, the host of Rapid on Racing is Don Gamble. A former driver and track promoter,
0: Don brings a wealth of racing knowledge to the program every week. Rapid on Racing. The success of Jennerstown Speedway is no secret. The hard work, dedication, and commitment of the track owners, Larry Hemminger, John Morocco, and Richard Poligrudo, is the reason. I thank these gentlemen for their marketing partnership with Rappin' On Racing. Through their support, our show was able to bring all of the motorsports news to our many listeners. Okay, fans, we're back. We're talking to Tom Golick. Now, back to Pete Reck in the backup car. I think when I talked to Pete earlier in the year, he said what he likes about this situation is he doesn't have to be there every saturday because he has some things he wants to do with his family.
2: Sure. Yeah, I mean him and his wife, I mean, uh, you know, they've done some traveling over the summer and they took her granddaughter to Hershey Park and things like that. And you know, I mean, you know yourself, Don, whenever you're racing for points year in and year out, um, you know, you miss a lot of weddings and graduations and birthday parties that you probably should go to, but man, you got to get to the racetrack, you know, so um, you know, it was kind of like up in the air. Whenever he was available and wanted to take it, that's when we took it,
0: you know. And he's a good driver. He's been to Victory Lane on multiple occasions. So.
2: Yeah, I mean, and he's smart enough to know if the car's good, you're going to make it go and run. If it's not good, hey, you're going to back out of it a little bit and just get a good finish and bring the car home clean for next week, you know.
0: Now, everything's not always peaches and cream. I've had a situation recently where he couldn't be there, and you put Chris Brink in the car. Let's talk a little bit about uh, what happened there and how Chris is doing.
2: Okay. Um, Well, Pete uh, hurt himself on a fire call. Um, He had some injuries to his knee, and we had the car there for the Motor Mountain Masters, which had got rained out, so the car was already you know, registered, and I think it would run the heat race already, too. And, uh, you know, so uh, Pete wasn't available to drive it, and and Chris was there, and I I asked him, you know, I wanted to put somebody in the car that that knew how to drive a modified, and obviously he knows how to drive a modified, uh, being a track champion there himself. And, um, you know, so I had to approach Chris without his wife around because I know that, you know, he'd been involved in a couple pretty good accidents, and I wanted to make sure it was okay with him first before uh, Ruth found out, you know. Right. And um uh he said he'd be delighted to drive and he said Ruth would be ex- excited too. So uh, we got him in the car there for the Motor Mountain Masters weekend that we had two races that night and I told him, you know, we're pretty close to being involved with the points deal here we're going to bring it the last night if he wanted to run it then and um uh, he said you know he'd be glad to run it the, the last night too. So we had it up there and um he just got involved in a little uh accident there. I mean, he spun the car coming off a turn two. Um, I mean, nobody hit him or anything like that. He just got loose on his own and uh, got sideways across the racetrack there. And he got hit by Jason um, in a driver's door. So it, I mean, it didn't do a whole lot of damage to the car, mostly cosmetic, but uh, Chris got pushed around in there and got beat up a little bit.
0: And how's he doing?
2: Uh, He's home from the hospital. Um, He's got some bruising on his neck and stuff like that. I haven't talked to him lately. Uh, I was actually going to drop him a call tonight and see how he's doing and, uh, you know, just make sure that uh, everything's going all right for him.
0: You got a lot of credentials, a lot of wins, and a lot of championships. But out of all the things that you've accomplished, what stands out the most?
2: Uh, Mostly, I think, Don, just, you know, the friendship with all the different guys that you've been associated with for the years. You know, I mean, I've been around racing for almost 40 years now. I mean, uh, you know, I, I took several years off. But, um, you know, you meet a lot of different guys and, and, and associate with them even off the track too. You know, we play golf together. Some guys, we bowl together, some different guys that are on, uh, different crews and things like that. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a good group of people to be around.
0: I have so many friends in racing that I've had 20, 25, 30 years and I cherish those friendships. And I've said it many times, people probably get tired of hearing it, that, uh, when Lynn Geisler decided he was going to quit driving, I said, are you going to quit going to the races? And he said, I can't. If I do that, I won't have any friends. <laughs> and that, that's true. Um, yep, that's true. I'm sure, I don't know if you're a outdoors uh, kind of guy, but do you have any uh, hobbies?
2: Um, I mostly play some golf uh, whenever we're not racing that much. And then uh, my sister and wife and, and a few friends of ours, we, we have a bowling league that we bowl with in the wintertime. But, uh, no, I've never done any hunting or fishing. I mean, a, a very, a ne- never any hunting, but uh, some fishing, but not too much. Uh, guys criticized me all the time. They said, you know that, uh, yeah, you're going to go hit a little white ball as far as you can go to, <laughs> to, to lose it and then to go try to find it again. I'm like, yeah, but yeah, I, I can't see sitting on the side of a river waiting for a fish to be hungry to bite my what, the worm on my hook. You know, so. <laughs>
0: now, you mentioned but, your uh, wife, Lynn. Uh, mm-hmm. A fan, or does she just uh, tolerate it because she knows you love it?
2: No, she, she's a fan. Uh, she's been going to the racetrack with me since we were married. And, uh, I mean, she gives me a lot of support here at home, you know, in the garage. She's always running out, getting something for the guys to eat whenever, you know, you're working on a race car. Sometimes you forget to eat, you know. So she keeps us pretty well fed here at home. And, you know, she's at the racetrack every week, usually, and um, keeps us fed up there, too, along with my sister and daughter.
0: How about uh, your daughter, Allison, and your son, mm-hmm. Patrick? I understand he's in the Air Force. What's his situation?
2: Yeah, he's, uh, he's a loadmaster on a 17 in the Air Force. And uh, he just started, I think, last week a deployment. He's in Qatar, which is uh, over near Saudi Arabia. He's going to be over there for six months, um, which, you know, it's, it's a pretty long stretch to be away from home. You know, he usually lives in Tacoma, Washington. That's where he's stationed right now. Yeah. But uh, he's going to be over there for the next six months.
0: Now let's talk about your daughter, Allison. Uh, what's up with her?
2: Uh, my daughter Allison, she's married. Um, she has two children, lives in Greensburg, and uh, she's actually does um, put together the Golick Motorsports little website for us. Um, she's uh, we have a GoPro camera in the race car every weekend, and she downloads all that and gets it up on YouTube. So I have some aunts and uncles that live in Tennessee and Georgia that used to watch me race dirt, and um, th- you know they always watch the YouTube channel. In fact, my uncle was just up from Georgia, and she said uh, or he said we don't really like it whenever you start in the front. He said, there's not much to see. Uh, <laughs> he said, you know, you, we'd like you to start like 10th or 8th every week so we can see you passing some cars. I'm like, well, it's a lot easier for me when I start up front, you know. So. <laughs>
0: well, then he's got to love the arrangement that Billy has with Flow Racing.
2: Yeah, I don't know if he has Flow Racing down, you know, in, in there. I have to talk to him about that, you know.
0: Well, the good thing is he'll be able to hear this interview after it plays because we have listeners all over the United States. I mean, I got a military guy in Australia, uh, Dave Dragovich, uh, avid uh, asphalt racing fan mm-hmm. down in yep. Florida. Uh, it's, it's just beautiful that that's available for people to hear. Um, how about the most embarrassing thing you ever did in a race car? And I know everybody has at least one.
2: Nah, I can't really say embarrassing. I mean, I was never one of those guys that, you know, that you've heard that they pulled in after they thought they won on the white flag lap or yeah. something like that. I mean, <laughs> you know, I've actually ran down the back straightaway a little harder because the the starter hadn't thrown the yellow yet, you know. And yeah. and I'm thinking, did I see the white flag or was that the checkered flag, you know, and yeah. I didn't want to do do that and get past and, you know, look pretty silly whenever you, you led the whole damn race and, you know, you, you slowed down on the back straightaway. So, actually... I think it was almost into turn three this year that Mike didn't turn the yellow lights on, you know, that the race was over, and I was yeah. still running pretty hard, you know.
0: Well, uh, smart racers, uh, they'll usually take one extra lap or a part of the extra lap there. Um, yeah. How about, uh, now, we we covered why you picked the number. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your crew, and you got—you must have an, an amazing crew to maintain two cars.
2: Yeah, I do. I mean, uh, my brother-in-law, Harry Ofer, is kind of the crew chief. I mean, he keeps everybody in line and, and working on both of these cars. I mean, he he does a lot of fabrication and the different setups and stuff that we do with the, the, the modified. And a um, uh, friend of ours, uh, Bill Delmer, uh, Dave Bump, he's in our crew. Um, I have Ryan and Tiffany Hoff, Huffman that they help us at the racetrack. And uh, those guys keep, uh, you know, anytime we're working on a car here, they're here and, and scaling it and getting it to the track for me.
0: How about sponsors? And you have a um, great group. Yeah, I have
2: several. I mean, uh, Cole Contracting is on my car, um, Letters by Brunel. Um, also, we do some brake testing for Ray Bestis Brakes and uh, Screenies Auto. And on the second car, mostly it's uh, Tony Aubrey with Operations Veteran Now. And uh, he has some different uh, uh, or, or organizations uh, that, that motorcycle groups uh, that, that are on a car also. But uh, it's mostly all uh, Tony's uh, car dedicated to the veterans and suicide prevention and, and different uh, groups that help, uh, you know, get the veterans help when they need it.
0: That's a wonderful organization. Well, mm-hmm. we're coming up on another break here. Any closing thoughts?
2: Uh, not too much, Don. I'd just like to thank the, the Speedway up there, Jennerstown. I mean, Billy Rebard, the uh, owners that are up there, uh, John Morocco, um, and, and his crew that, that helped repair the racetrack and different things that they do up there, Larry Hammerger, Rich Paula I mean, them guys run a first-class operation, and they, and they really make it uh, a fun place to be and, and race. Yeah, I, I also want to thank my wife. Uh, you know, like I said, she puts up with a lot. You know, uh, with us racing out here, sometimes we're out here till uh, one or two o'clock in the morning working on a car. I mean, we try to keep it quiet, but uh, you know, she works at five o'clock in the morning at the hospital. So, uh, but uh, she puts up with a lot uh, with the guys, and like I said, uh, a lot of time that we don't get to spend time together, to work or it's to a racetrack. You know.
0: Well, the wife. The mother, the sister, the girlfriend, the women in racing are a very special breed. And you have a wonderful one. I want to congratulate you again and thank you for taking the time to be with us.
2: All right, Don. Thank you very much. And thank you for all you do for racing in this area.
0: I just love doing it because this is a case in point where I get to talk to a good friend that's a champion. Thank you. Pennsylvania Motor Speedway has been a part of Rappin' on Racing for over 40 years. The marketing partnership started with the Garin family and continued when Miley Motorsports took over the management of the track. The track was originally for late model semislates and street stocks and grew to become a facility covering sprints, modifieds, pro stocks, hobby stocks, and four cylinders. We look forward to continuing our relationship with Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway well into the next decade.
9: At Alternative Power Sources, they have always understood that your generator needs are never one size fits all. They are still the local generator company you have come to know and trust but with expanded resources and expertise as a subsidiary of Curtis Power Solutions Company, part of the Indel Power Group. As a Curtis Power Solutions Company, they offer quality brands such as MTU, Kohler, Southeastern Power Products, and Yamaha Generators. They bring more experience for working on complex projects such as engineering and design services for data centers and healthcare facilities. At the same time, they continue to service all brands of standby generators. Also, don't forget to ask about their rentals for your next event or power emergency. If you have a project, Alternative Power Sources has a solution. Contact them today at 1-800-894-4455. That's 1-800-894-4455. Every day
7: when they open the doors at Zarin Truck and Automotive in South Heights, Pennsylvania, their goal is to provide great customer service by offering affordable automotive and truck repair service performed by highly trained technicians at the highest industry standard. By implementing the latest diagnostic equipment and computerized repair manuals, you can rest assured that your vehicle will be repaired to factory specifications for your specific car or truck. At Zarin Truck and Automotive, they believe in honest repairs and will demonstrate that fully by explaining the repair or service you are receiving, and they'll give you an estimate or quote before work is performed. When you choose Zarin Truck and Automotive in South Heights, Pennsylvania, you are choosing professional automotive repair and maintenance performed by expert automotive technicians. That's Zarin Truck and Automotive in South Heights.
9: with Don Gamble and Tyler
5: Harris. Hurricane Ian claims victory for what was scheduled to be the 34th annual running of the Pittsburgher on Saturday, October the 1st. The Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series and Miley Motorsports mutually agreed to cancel Saturday's event, but also Sunday's rain date due to the expected forecast, which inevitably proved to be true. The 2022 Pittsburgher will not be rescheduled. All good things eventually come to an end, as they say, as for the first time in 34 years, this event has been canceled and unable to be rescheduled. However, not all was lost, as we were still able to run our regularly scheduled Friday night portion of the Pittsburgher weekend. Wrapping on Racing's Bill Korch was on hand, and he files this report.
9: Friday night at Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway, it was the scheduled night one of the Bill Hendren Memorial for the Rush Durant Late Model Series originally to be a $4,000 to win event, but with the cancellation of Saturday's Pittsburgh events due to the impending rain, it became a $10,000 to win 50-lap race. 41 cars were in the pits for time trials, with the cars separated into two groups. The Group A fast time was set by Michael Doritsky Jr., and the Group B, an overall fast time set by Jeremy Wonderling. Doritsky won the first of the four heat races, Followed by Joe Martin, Ryan Frazy, Mike Reft, and Brady Wonderling. Heat number two went to Cole Petrell, with Justin Chance second, Brandon Burgoon third, Tim Schaefer fourth, and John Lee fifth. In heat number three, the winner Jeremy Wonderling, followed by Michael Norris, Tony Mussolino, Ben Scott, and Matt Hill. And in the fourth and final heat, Ben Polizzi the winner, followed by Kyle Lucan, Zach Gunn, Braden Dillinger, and Craig Graham. Lukond was the winner of the six-lap dash, followed by Police, Joe Martin, Doritsky, and Justin Chance. Dave Gobel won the first of two B mains, followed by Garrett Pa, and in the second B main it was Dan Leper the winner. Tom Klein finished second. One note from the heat races: both Daryl Charlier and Logan Robertson had engine problems during their individual heats, and it finished both of them for the night. Robertson, by the way, was the winner earlier this summer of the Jook George Memorial at Pittsburgh. At the start of the 50-lap feature, Lukon took off ahead of the pack with Police holding down second. Wanderling moved into the top five from his eighth starting spot as Lukon, Police, and Doritsky battled for the lead in lap traffic. After the first caution on lap 11, Lukon maintained his lead when Matt Latta and Tim Schaefer got together on lap 16, which brought out the next caution. Another caution four laps later sent four cars to the pits for repairs, and police also put it for a flat tire, giving up second place to Wonderling. Lukon kept his lead after the restart and also after the final restart for a caution on lap thirty four and As the cars caught lap traffic, Wanderling was able to reel in Lukon and move past him with five laps remaining. Lukon put up a battle to regain the lead, but he couldn't pull it off, giving Wonderling the ten thousand dollar win in Victory Lane. Wunderling talked about racing at PPMS and his battle with LuCon.
1: I never thought I was going to win a race at Pittsburgh last year, let alone, you know, come here tonight. It wasn't great time trials, pretty good in the heat race, you know, strikes things in the dash. This is a place you don't come to once or twice a year and run. And I mean, Kyle had a better car, he, you know, I got him in laugh traffic. And, I mean, we were both digging the ditch down there, close to the walls we could bend, and I was just a little bit closer to him once. and. He slipped it up off the corner, and he he tried to slide me once, and you know we made a little contact. But I mean, this is ten grand.
9: And Wonderling knew it wasn't over once he got the lead.
1: Kyle was better on the long runs and in the open than I was, and I knew once we got in lap traffic, you know that would be a, a big part of the deal. And I went through that last night, so I found a little bit more on the bottom. We were we weren't really aiming on the racetrack no more. Me and Kyle both, and I knew I knew he couldn't be get around me outside because we were making it so dirty and. I mean, he's impressive down here, the way he can roll the top. So I really figured he'd roll the top of, you know, one and two and and gain on me or something.
9: Lukon talked about his adventures into lap traffic.
8: I just really couldn't take off, and then I thought I was running good until uh, that last time we started catching a lap car. They just kept running through that water down in one and two. But uh, I'm told that's not part of the racetrack. So (laughs) they just keep laying the water down there, and cars just hit it and take off across the track. I used more tear-offs tonight than I've used in the past three months. And while he was
9: naturally disappointed in not winning, it wasn't a bad night for Lucan.
8: On account that a week ago we didn't even think we were coming here to be able to run second, and then whenever they said they switched it up and made tonight the big money night. Uh, And like I said earlier in the dash, I mean, you run with Logan, Joe Martin, Jeremy, I mean, all these guys, they're just, they're so tough to beat, and uh, the fact that we were able to lead 45 of it, uh, it's upsetting, but I guess you can't be too upset about it.
9: Third place finisher Ben Scott made the long tow from Delaware, and he was happy with his run.
8: All those restarts kind of seemed to go just our way tonight, and, uh, and the race surface was just phenomenal, so driving from, I I don't know, 14th to 3rd, that was pretty awesome, and, uh, I really needed this run tonight. Uh, just the last month and a half, uh, we've been fighting a bank car and some issues like that, and luckily we just, this is the second race with this car since we got it back off the jig from Longhorn, so, uh, you know, it feels good to be in a straight car again.
9: The top 10 at the Bill Hendren Memorial for the Rush Dirt Late Model Series Jeremy Wonderling, the winner, Kyle Lukon, second, and Ben Scott, third. Michael Norris was fourth, and Brandon Burgoon finished fifth. Then came Michael Doritsky Jr., then Police, Joe Martin, Garrett Paw, and Mike Kraft. Pa was the hard charger of the race, moving up to ninth from his 23rd starting position. In the 10-lap non-qualifiers event, Frank McGill was the winner, followed by Brent Graham, Colby Behe, Ashton Briggs, and Brayton Santee. I'm Bill Korch, reporting for Rapid Unracing.
5: Hurricane Ian claims victory for what was scheduled to be the 34th annual running of the Pittsburgher on Saturday, October the 1st. The Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series and Miley Motorsports mutually agreed to cancel Saturday's event, but also Sunday's rain date due to the expected forecast, which inevitably proved to be true. The 2022 Pittsburgher will not be rescheduled. All good things eventually come to an end, as they say, as for the first time in 34 years, this event has been canceled and unable to be rescheduled. However, not all was lost as we were still able to run our regularly scheduled Friday night portion of the Pittsburgher weekend. Wrapping on racing's Bill Quartz was on hand and he files this report. The Bill Hedger Memorial was not the only headlining memorial event as the inaugural Bob Walters Memorial presented by It's All Clean Mobile Pressure Washing for the Penn Ohio Pro Stocks joined the card as a co-headliner. Seventeen drivers were signed in, and it all kicked off with group qualifying, where Tyler Dietz was fastest overall. Dietz was the next of last qualifier and knocked off the top time held by Chris Schneider, picking up $100 for his efforts, courtesy of Mussolino Motorsports. Heat races were up next, and fast qualifier Tyler Dietz led all late laps of heat race number one. The midway missile Daryl Charlier was second, and Tyler Wyatt finished third. Heat race number two belonged to Lower Burles Chris Schneider. Schneider's longtime friend Jason Fosnott was second, and Cody Catellis completed the podium. The field was set, 13 drivers able to make the starting grid with a four-wide salute to the fans prior to the drop of the green flag. Perhaps those most excited were the friends and family of Bob Walters, who watched in the stands in the same section where Bob sat, right behind the flag stand. Tyler Dietz and Chris Schneider made up the front starting row. Through the race, Daryl Charlier showed speed in the Paul Petrovich O, number 74, the first time he's ever driven that car, by the way. And Christian Schneider was one to keep your eyes on as well as he began making passes through the field and moving forward. However, the two front row starters stayed that way through most of the 20-lap feature event. Schneider's gap on deets accordioned throughout the race, but Schneider stayed ahead every lap to win the inaugural Bob Walters Memorial. We met with Chris, who happened to be one of the event organizers in Victory Lane. Mr. Chris Schneider. Well, this one's emotional. You've won many times here at Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway. You've picked up a lot of victories in your career here, including the 2022 Ed LeBouh Memorial. But this one here for a longtime friend, a longtime engine builder in Bob Walters. What does this mean to you here tonight?
10: Uh, yeah, w- yeah, like what you said, this was the most nervous I was driving a race car in a while. I mean, just I felt every wrong thing with my car, every flaw. But uh, I had to win this for Bob. You know, he, he's helped so many guys. He's helped me. Uh a lot of guys. This was his favorite track, this Pittsburgher weekend. Uh, that's why it rained out and canceled tomorrow, because he couldn't be here.
5: I tell you what, you've been pretty dominant here. You're surrounded by a lot of Bob's families and friends. I tell you what, an impressive outing here. But you put together a really nice event with not only just your help, Vince Laboon, people that you would like to thank for putting this whole event together here tonight. I'll apologize in advance. I'm
10: going to miss a few people, but there was Vince, Dave Aliberty, uh Fast Andy, uh, my dad helped. Um, it's all clean pressure washing Help put this together. Uh, who am I missing? There, there's a bunch of guys.
5: It's just not hitting me right now. <laughs> you succumb with the motion, and that's okay, Chris. Uh, people that you would like to thank for this 2022 season, you know, obviously it takes a lot of helping hands. It takes a lot of sponsors to help this car go around and successfully at that. People that you'd like to thank for this season.
10: Oh, There's a lot, too, there. I'm sorry. I'll probably miss a few again. But on, FTI, Butler Truck Ports, Fast Andy, it's all clean pressure washing, hot th- A&K Farms, BT Truck and Auto Service, uh, Hoosier Tire, Bob Walters' engines, of course, in this car, in that
5: car, and I got one back on the shelf. And uh, one thing that I really want to know, watching that race, Chris, coming down to the final couple laps, you've got a couple lap cars in front of you. You've got to start making some decisions, and you know you've got a hard charger, and Tyler Deeds coming by behind you, wanting to take that money away. What was going through your mind in those closing yeah, I didn't want to go way up on
10: the top because it looked like it dusted up a little bit there, and there's all kind of grip on the bottom, and Tyler's a bottom guy, so I, I didn't want to give that up. But I wanted to rail the outside, but I thought the smarter moves just to stay close to the
5: moisture on the bottom. Well, ladies and gentlemen, where you have it, tonight's winner of the inaugural Bob Walters Memorial for the Penn Ohio Pro Sox, the 55 of Chris Schneider gets it done here tonight. The Saxenburgs' Tyler Dietz was second best on the night, with Daryl Charlier finishing third. Cody Catellus was fourth, and hard charger Christian Snyder advanced from seventh to fifth, picking up $200 courtesy of Mussolino Motorsports. Jason Fosnott, Brian Hutchko, Dale Toohey, Tyler Wyant, and Nick Kachuba completed the top ten. The always-safe flagging and traffic control young guns had a very unexpected surprise for them when they walked through the gates on Friday night. Mark Snatchko, owner of Our Cars Detailing and Tire Sales, in conjunction with all of the sponsors on Sadie Snatchko's car, came together to raise money for a full purse for the competitors who signed in on Friday night. For reference, the Young Guns is a purseless class. The 13- to 19-year-old drivers used this division as a stepping stone to learn and gain experience before moving into other divisions within racing. So with money on the line, it made things quite a bit more interesting for the spectators and the drivers. It was a feature-only event for the Young Guns due to some time constraints. However, eight laps was the distance, and Emmy Laboon was victorious by the end of it all. The 2022 Points Champion picked up her sixth win of the season. Sadie Snatchko was second coming off of her first career feature win just last week. Abby Gindlesberger was third. Oakdale native Gavin Kakalos was fourth. And Zoe Knight rounded out the top five. The Cheplick Packing Hobby Stock competitors tried their hardest to steal the show on Friday night. A smaller-than-average field of cars took the green flag for the 15-lap feature event. The top three never lost sight of one another, seemingly the entire race. Jonathan Cattellus, who was driving the Gary Cattellus 65K, Matt Bernard, and Garrett Opatchen continuously made moves on one another all race long, but only one could be named the winner. Matt Bernard pulled away and stood atop of the class at the end of it all, winning his third career hobby stock victory. Second was Monongahela's Jonathan Catellus and Garrett Patchen earned a season-high finish of third. Joe Brown looked strong in a fourth-place run, and Jacob Weiser completed the top five. Fans in attendance saw Emmy Laboon make her debut in the Hobby Stocks. She was running mid-pack when she spun in turn one on two different occasions, ultimately ending her night. The transition from Young Guns to Hobby Stocks looked almost seamless. Laboon finished eighth. Moving on to the Crawford Auto Repair Open 4 Cylinders, where only three drivers signed in to compete coming off of last week's Sport Compact Shootout. 2,022 points champion Craig Rudolph led early, but not without some competition. The three drivers went three wide to start through turns one and two, with Rudolph pulling ahead early. Matt Knight waited to make a move until the time was right. Going down the backstretch on lap number three, Knight moved to the inside line. The 90-plus foot-wide racing surface was irrelevant as they were competing for inches. Knight took the lead and held on to win the feature event, picking up his fourth win of the season. Second belonged to Burgettstown's John Gill, and Craig Rudolph rounded out the podium. One last chance to make it down to Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway this year, and what a show it will be. This Saturday, October the 8th, Falcone's Moon Township Automotive presents the Outlaw 410 Wing Sprint Series and the Buckeye Outlaw Sprint Series, winged and wingless Fort 10 Sprint Cars at Dirt's Monster Half Mile. They will be joined by the Hummus Auto and Truck Supply Rush Sportsman Modifieds, presented by Born to Run Lubricants, as well as some of our action event divisions, including the Cheplick Packing Hobby Stocks, the Crawford Auto Repair Open 4 Cylinders, and the Always Safe Flagging and Traffic Control Young Guns. The Rourke Automotive Rush Dirt Late Models and the Penn Ohio Pro Stocks have been given the week off. Gates open at 5 with warm-ups beginning at 6. Qualifying for both divisions of Sprint Cars will be before our designated 7 p.m. start time. For all scheduling and ticketing information, as well as final point standings, programs, and more, visit our website at ppms.com. Be sure to follow us on Facebook by searching Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway for your chance to win free tickets and stay up-to-date with all things happening at PPMS. Before signing off, I would like to send my condolences to the Eshelman family after learning of the passing of Rick Eshelman. The news comes as a shock, but now serves as a reminder to love and help one another whenever possible. You just never know what your neighbor, friends, or family may be going through. Rick was a man of God and is surely resting with him now in heaven above. Reporting for Wrapping on Racin, I'm Tyler Harris.
0: This portion of tonight's program is brought to you by Zarin Truck and Automotive. Pennsylvania Motor Speedway has been a part of Rapping on Racing for over 40 years. The marketing partnership started with the Garin family and continued when Miley Motorsports took over the management of the track. The track was originally for late model semilates and street stocks and grew to become a facility covering sprints, modifieds, pro stocks, hobby stocks, and four cylinders. We look forward to continuing our relationship with Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway well into the next decade.
9: Are you in need of financial planning or portfolio review? Rick Sabo of RPS Financial Solutions is an independent financial planner who has testified as an expert witness on insurance and investment fraud. He helps people who are concerned about their portfolio or with other financial matters. His services include investments, pension, and 401k rollovers, estate planning, life insurance, and long-term care alternatives. As a registered IRS tax preparer, he can assist retirees with the completion of property tax rebate forms and other government tax reduction programs at no charge. Mr. Sabo does not charge a fee to meet with potential clients for a fact find. His office is located at 5061 Route 8, Gibsonia, PA. If you are in need of any of the services that he provides, give him a call at 724-443-5720. That's 724-443-5720. Or email him at rick.sabo at And now, more Rapid on Racing with Don Gamble and Dave Oliveri.
4: Friday night, we're at Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway, and it's night one of the Rush Touring Series race, Bill Hendren Memorial races, but as we arrived at the track, and with all that's been going on in the East Coast with Ian or Ian, however you want to pronounce it, uh, a decision was made by Lucas and Miley Motorsports and and the Rush officials that the Saturday portion of the show was going to be cancelled. Unfortunately for the drivers, that was the biggest part of this it's the two night event paying 4,000 the first night and 10,000 the next night but at the drivers meeting and this is where we love so much about our sport sponsors that are involved and we're and we're sitting here with Steve Henrin and they made the decision to Take the Saturday portion, which is going to be canceled, and basically flip flop it with the Friday. So, the 41 cars that are signing the pits tonight are going to be racing for an additional 10 laps, but for $10,000. And, Steve, from myself as a racer and a part of the media, I want to thank you because sponsors are so valuable. And for what you're doing for not only the drivers and for the series is so very special.
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's if without sponsors we, we wouldn't have the show. Uh, so every year uh, for this show I gather sponsors together and honestly they uh, foot the bill for this race and I felt you know, it was very necessary to have this 10,000 win race since I already got the sponsorship uh, money for it and I don't want to let them down so we decided to uh, proceed at 10,000 win night. The best part
4: of it, and it's kind of an interesting story, because I've I've met you several times throughout the years, but, you know, you put this race on at a track that, you know, you're originally from California, you're down in North Carolina now, and you picked this because you just like it. It's big, it's wide, it's fast. You could have picked any other tracks, but to pick Pennsylvania Motor Speedway,
3: it it says something for not only for the mileys, but for what Rush does. Yeah, I mean, I love the Rush series uh, and the racers that race in that series, and and, you know, honestly, these guys truly appreciate, you know, what we do for them as far as this race goes. And uh, I really wouldn't have it in any other place, honestly. It is right
4: because you can pick so many venues, but I think with, from a lot of the people that sit here and they'll say, "Well, why did you cancel?" And obviously, there's a seventy percent forecast for the for the whole next two days, basically. But I, I think what we forget—I and I had a chance to interview Logan Robertson earlier this evening—is the fact that not everybody's from Western Pennsylvania. You, know, you guys are from down in North Carolina. You know, we got people that travel four, five, six hours to get here for these touring series races, and for now. To be able to chance to run for this money, but also have a chance to go home and spend time with the family
3: over the weekend. It's important. Oh, absolutely. And you know, I mean, to that point, I had four or five guys coming from you know North Carolina, South Carolina area to come up here and race this race this weekend. And due to the rain and the forecast, you know, they just weren't willing to make you know seven and a half hour, eight hour trip. Well, I think
4: okay. we. I think what we also forget is in the in the economy that we're in right now, it's whether you're in a toter home or you're, you're towing a trailer, a gas at five six dollars a gallon uh, you look at a lot of the professionals guys that are out there touring they're picking and choosing their races now because of the fact that you've got to race smart
3: yeah you have to race logically and you have to just plan ahead and and unfortunately when rains in the forecast like that especially i, I think i think five or six years ago nobody would have cared they just would have come up here and if it rained it rained and turn around and drive home but now it's more of a like you said you got to race smart you got to think ahead and and look at those forecasts unfortunately <laughs> yeah, you know,
4: I think the other thing that we talked about is, you know, the sponsors that you've gathered and you've worked hard for this and again this is something that's the tracks for me. I think I think the total I forget what the number was and correct me if I'm wrong was like twenty two thousand dollars in sponsorship money and for a local racer to to run for four thousand which would have been tonight yeah. and for ten thousand tomorrow night and it's just ten thousand now. That's a tribute to
3: you and all the people that you work with so hard during the year. Yeah, for sure and you know, I mean, if it wasn't for people like, if you don't mind, I'd like to mention my sponsors sure, for this right race. ahead. You know, I've got FK Rod Ends. I've got uh, City Chevrolet. I've got Profab uh, Headers. I've got um, Daytona 1 uh, Performance Lubricants. Um, Stans Transmission, which is a local place here. My friend Scott Gunn, a uh, local uh, business owner here. And then uh, I've got 955 Automotive. And, uh, of course, Crate Insider. And then, of course, you know, my family through in some some money as well and the best part of that is like
4: I said you it's racers helping racers and and unless you're into this this sport which sometimes we have trials and tribulations but i've never seen such a group of people and you've been involved with this many many years as well That are so willing to help whether if it's if it's an injury to somebody to help financially but to make racing better and for these rush series drivers it's a great opportunity to run here at Pennsylvania Motor Speedway now for 50
3: laps for ten thousand dollars, but to run the series of Vicki and Mike Braun. Yeah, their their series is awesome. I mean, she does so much for the racers; it's it's, it's insane. Uh, I mean, if you look at what she does, she does she's got her uh, what is it her. Uh, nights where she gives gives away a ton of stuff uh, product so pro- product night giveaway night she does all sorts of stuff for the racers, and I think that 's why she 's so so successful with this uh, with this series and everything that she gets involved in honestly you know, i think she 's a brilliant promoter
4: it is and she 's looking out for it again with the cost of everything you know we talk about late model racing and everybody says well, why is it dying unless you 're on a national series to compete locally you know you 're looking at twenty five thirty thousand dollars minimal for a motor and they 're probably more of... <laughs> I'm not an engine builder for are about they're, 50 now <laughs> yeah 50 to 60 now so it's gone up and to win a purse for you know $1,200 1500 a weekly night that's why you see these guys going out well Steve uh, myself and Don back in North Carolina we want to thank you for what you're doing for racing here in Western Pennsylvania and, and across the board and it's We're hoping for a great show tonight. It's going to be an exciting 50 laps. The third month or half mile is locked down. It's going to be fast. I know you're going to like that. And uh, if all goes well, maybe we'll see you down
3: in Charlotte. Oh, absolutely. I look forward to seeing you again. This portion of tonight's program was brought to you by Zarin Truck and Automotive. The success of
0: Jennerstown Speedway is no secret. The hard work, dedication, and commitment of the track owners, Larry Heminger, John Morocco, and Richard Polo is the reason. I thank these gentlemen for their marketing partnership with Rappin' on Racing. Through their support, our show was able to bring all of the motorsports news to our many listeners.
9: And now, more Rapid on Racing with Don Gamble and Dave Oliveri.
4: We're at Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway. It's Friday evening, and we're talking to the current Rush points leader, Logan Roberson. Logan, welcome to Rapid on Racing. It's been a while since we talked to you. I think it was a couple years ago down in Charlotte. But the current points leader in the series, epic battle going on with Joe Martin. Last night, you fight it in Claude and ended up with a third-place finish, but you go from Tyler County, where you could probably put two of the tracks in the Dirt Monster mile, and you go from uh, the the, you know, the baddest bull ring to Dirt Monster half mile. It's quite a difference in setup and how the speeds you're going to attain tonight.
11: Yeah, it's definitely it's a whole lot different, but uh, you know both of the tracks are really racy, and I enjoy both of them, so you know, a weekend like this ain't too bad. You guys, you know, for you, you
4: know, you're down from Virginia, and you got to take time off to do this. You, you know, most of you racers aren't, you know, this, you don't do this full time. This is just a, a hobby that you all end up doing. And you, know, you had to probably leave early on Wednesday or Thursday to get to Tyler County. Then you're here tonight. It was supposed to be a, a two day show, but with the remnants of, you know, Ian coming in, uh, Lucas, and the track, and all the series together, decided to say, hey, look, it's just, it's going to be an uphill battle. We're not going to do that bid, and we're going to cancel. But for you guys, the fans get upset because we want to see racing. But at the same point, from the driver's standpoint, for when you have a change in a schedule to, say, make that race to postpone it until a Sunday, for a lot of people, that's not doable.
11: Yeah, it's definitely, it's it's really tough to do one on Sunday because I've got a five-hour ride home, so it's, you know, it's double the time on my guys getting home and then getting ready for work, and then, you know, you come home Monday and rest all day, so, you know, for another weekend you only got, you know, really two days to prepare again for the next weekend, so I think they made the best decision possible. You know, it's calling for rain the whole, you know, the whole next two days, so it's, you know, it's a fighting battle. You know, I always, said, I always said in racing, you know, uh, hundred or 50% of the people are, you know, always unhappy with any decision 100% of the time. So, Well,
4: those are generally the people that don't own a race car and don't have to do this and worry about the expenses because this year, particularly with all the things that's been going on, it's, and especially, you know, you guys are in a toater home, it, it's not cheap to run up and down the road.
11: Oh no! I mean, for me, I, I you know, sometimes I have to race to be able to get some income to bring into my, me and my team. So I, I want to race, but you know, decisions like that it could cost you money. And I think they're making the best decision possible.
4: It's kind of a hard. A young man from Virginia coming up, and in the next couple of weeks, is going to be racing twice in the Western Pennsylvania area. We're going to be here at Pennsylvania Motor Speedway this evening, then up for the Stampede in Lernerville in a, in a couple of weeks and. I, I, you've run well here. I, I've watched you develop over the years here. I remember when you first came; it was kind of like you were young. It was all overwhelming, and now you're—I want to say—you're the savvy veteran right now. But you're kind of getting used to these tracks. And really, from last night to tonight, it's like got to be difference of night and day.
11: It is. It's you got to change up your driving style, just the way you set the car up and the way you go about it. It's uh, it's two different animals. That's for sure. But it's fun when you come
4: here to third monster half mile, Logan how important is that qualifying to where you get a good starting spot in the heat unless they invert sometimes you never know what they what they're going to do
11: you know honestly here um it's a huge deal. Like I think to you know, usually win this deal, you need to be in the dash and be up front. But you know, I've come from the tail here and done you know took the lead before, and it can be done. It's just uh, you know how good your car is, and you know how how much luck you get throughout the night. So I think this is one of the very few places that, if it matters, if you start up front or not. Well, you also have
4: the advantage as being as wide as the track is. You can really get you know you like the, the catfish down on the bottom, and you know, most of the people are running high on top. But here you you can run it third low middle high
11: yeah it's definitely this is probably one of the raciest places we go to i i really enjoy coming here not because we're you know we run well here but i really just enjoy the track because if you got a good car you can definitely make some strides and get up through there
4: when you get to some of the bigger tracks like say winchester is there any similarities but this is just so banked so much differently
11: um, it's really not, like, we don't totally just change our car all around, so it's really not a big, big change coming to a place like this. You, you just free up just a little bit, and that's, that's mainly it.
4: Well, Logan, I, mean, I know you got a lot of work to do on the car still. We want to appreciate you taking time, So, for myself,
2: Don, back in North
4: Carolina. Best of luck this evening and the rest of the year.
2: All right, thank you. This
0: portion of tonight's program is brought to you by Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway.
9: RPS Financial Solutions and JWC-JWCA are unaffiliated entities.
0: Pennsylvania Motor Speedway has been a part of Rappin' on Racing for over 40 years. The marketing partnership started with the Garin family and continued when Miley Motorsports took over the management of the track. The track was originally for late model semilates and street stocks and grew to become a facility covering sprints, modifieds, pro stocks, hobby stocks, and four cylinders. We look forward to continuing our relationship with Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway well into the next decade. Thanks for
7: tuning in to wrapping on Racing. I'm Lenny Baticki. Coming up next, a recording we did for PRN's At The Track. Check it out. Joining us now on the Profabrication dot com hotline, the champion at Speedway six sixty. Now you're saying, "Where's that?" We're going to find out. Wyatt Alexander joins us on the Profab hotline. Hey, Wyatt, great to have you back on the show. Uh, remember the days when you were racing uh, legends, not only here around Charlotte, but up there in the Northeast where you're from, and of course going to school at UNC Charlotte and all. But Man, you've graduated, you're doing bigger things, and uh, we got to start out. Where the heck have you been racing? What's Speedway 660?
8: Yeah, thanks, Lenny. Uh I appreciate it. We've, we've had quite the interesting 2022 for us. Uh, only raced inside the United States twice this year, which is certainly unique for most uh, Americans or even Mainers, uh, especially racing late models. But where I'm located geographically in the state of Maine, we're not all that far from... The Canadian border, so I've raced the majority of my season across the border, mostly at Speedway 660 in Fredericton, New Brunswick, uh, once in Nova Scotia at Riverside Speedway. Um, we kicked off the year at Hickory, in of course, down by you guys in North Carolina, ran one pass race up here in Maine, but um, yeah, spent the majority of our year. <laughs> Across the border. Wow.
7: Wyatt Alexander on the Profabrication dot com hotline chatting with us about being an international racer and now a champion at New Brunswick, Canada's Speedway six sixty. Uh what can you tell us about the track? Let's start there. Uh what's what's the joint like?
8: Speedway six sixty, uh, it's a great facility. The family's been uh, the family that owns it's put a lot of effort into it, especially recently um it's uh it's a pretty unique race track it kind of combines uh you know in my mind a, a handful of tracks of course most racers tend to do that see what you can relate it to but it's certainly uh, uh got its quirky characteristics it's a lot of fun puts on a, a lot of great racing and um you know like i said just just excited to see all the effort that's been put in behind the place and how about the pavement
7: itself uh, Is is the pavement in canada different for the tire degradation than it is here? You know, is it new? Is it old? Does it grind them up? What's that like?
8: Not necessarily different than what we're used to here, but it definitely, um, like I said, has its own characteristics. It's older pavement at this point, so that's part of what puts on such good racing. The the rough parts of the racetrack are about right where you want to be, so, you know, when you're running the bottom, you can't really get out of the bumps, so some guys will run the top, and um, in my mind, it's actually kind of funny. It races, you know, puts on racing similar you'd see in a in a uh, on a dirt track um you know some guys choose the top and one and two some guys choose the bottom so um you don't see that in asphalt racing very often different people running different lines at the same time in the race um so that's pretty unique and uh it it, like i said just puts on a great show
7: from uh hickory motor speedway to new brunswick canada and getting a championship in 2022 on the profabrication.com hotline speedway 660 champion uh Wyatt Alexander chatting with us about racing across the border as uh his 2022 season did but speaking of pro fabrication pro fabrication headers exhaust all the parts and pieces that go with it just a click of a mouse away at profabrication.com and Wyatt I understand you had five really you know interesting sponsors that helped you do this each and every week and short track sponsors have have sponsors but to convince U.S. sponsors to go with you across the border. Those those five had to be really special.
8: Harry's Motorsports in Presque Isle, uh, my uncle Johnny, um, Adams Landscaping, Clattenburg Racing Fabrication. Of course, having a really good relationship with Dean when I when I worked in North Carolina. I uh, lived in North Carolina and worked for him, and he has ties to Canada, so that makes it special. And AR Bodies, One Step Home Care, definitely a lot of people that uh, supported us this year, and um, that makes it all the more special when you can bring friends and family uh, through with you like that and the relationships that come with it and to celebrate a championship with them is uh, all the better.
7: Wyatt Alexander on the profabrication.com hotline Speedway, six sixty, new Brunswick, Canada track champion on the paved oval up there. I understand that, uh, you know, on that exact spot, uh, you also met a, a new part of your, uh, your day to day life. A, a lovely young lady. What can you tell us
8: about that encounter from three years back to today? This summer has brought me a pretty special relationship in, in Madison and uh, Speedway 660 uh, is actually where we met. So it's it's pretty cool to celebrate a championship that way. And her dad uh, Gerald and Drew are, or, or her dad Gerald and her brother Drew, I've been friends with for quite a while, and actually got to drive uh, her brother Drew's sportsman car earlier in the year when when he was sick. So it's been uh, it's been quite the summer. Maddie and I have uh, traveled all over to to try and make this season happen. Uh, we actually started off the year. Uh, before the second race at 660. Between the first and second races at 660, we spent a week in North Carolina. And uh, on uh, the end of the week, we left Millbridge Speedway after watching some micro sprint racing, got in the dually, and pretty much didn't stop driving until we got to New Brunswick, Canada. And that was like our second race of the year. So she's definitely been along for the ride and endured a lot this year, uh, chasing this championship. And all of, well, basically my crazy ideas, but.
7: <laughs> well, Wyatt Alexander, he's got the uh, the ideas down to a championship now as he has won the Speedway 660 championship at Canada's New Brunswick Speedway. Wyatt living in the uh, state of Maine and jumping across the border. How tough is it to get across the border, uh, you know, from, from A to B each week? That's got to be a deficit before you even get to the track.
8: Yeah, it's definitely a factor for us. Um, you know, the more and more we cross, kind of, it seems like the easier it gets but uh everybody on both sides of the border treated us exceptionally all year and that certainly makes a big difference um we were we were never discouraged from doing so so um but you know certainly at times uh you know again a couple times i can think of just maddie and i and the dually crossing the border and at midnight you know you kind of (laughs) wonder at times what the heck are we doing but uh just had a lot of fun and i enjoy the travel part of it as much as anything kind of brings more to stories um i think after that second or third race uh we were coming home, we almost hit a moose in the middle of the night somewhere. So, you know, it's just uh, everything that kind of comes with that. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, how often do you almost hit a moose leaving the racetrack?
5: So, (laughs) um,
8: (laughs) definitely, definitely a lot of stories that come with it, but yeah, I mean, crossing the international border race, uh, you know, every week is, is definitely a variable that most don't have to deal with. And, uh, you know chasing an accomplishment like this just makes it more special
7: Wyatt Alexander avoiding hitting mooses and crossing the border to race all throughout the 2022 season and bringing back home to the states the Speedway 660 track championship on that paved oval up there in New Brunswick and congratulations to you where could folks find out more about your story where are you at on social media
8: uh yeah on Facebook Wyatt Alexander Racing and then on everything else, social media, Twitter, Instagram, et cetera, just at WAlexander underscore 96.
7: Well, uh, a guy that can avoid hitting mooses, end up with a lovely young lady as his companion, and now a track championship at New Brunswick, Canada's 660 Speedway. Wyatt Alexander, our guest on the Profabrication.com hotline. He's got a big thumbs up from all of us. Thanks for joining us. Fans, stay with us. We'll be right back with more of PRN's At The Track. This portion
2: of tonight's program was brought to you by Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway.
9: At Alternative Power Sources, they have always understood that your generator needs are never one size fits all. They are still the local generator company you have come to know and trust. But with expanded resources and expertise as a subsidiary of Curtis Power Solutions Company, part of the Indel Power Group. As a Curtis Power Solutions Company, they offer quality brands such as MTU, Kohler, Southeastern Power Products, and Yamaha Generators. Favorite more experience for working on complex projects such as engineering and design services for data centers and healthcare facilities. At the same time, they continue to service all brands of standby generators. Also, don't forget to ask about their rentals for your next event or power emergency. If you have a project, Alternative Power Sources has a solution. Contact them today at 1-800- 894-4455. That's 1-800- 894-4455.
7: When you choose Zarin Truck and Automotive in South Heights, Pennsylvania, you are choosing professional automotive repair and maintenance performed by expert automotive technicians. That's Zarin
12: Truck and Automotive in South Heights. Number one Cochrane has created a new way, a faster way, an easier way to buy a car. Now you can complete as much of the process as you'd like online and spend less time in store or do it all online.
0: The success of Jennerstown Speedway is no secret. The hard work, dedication, and commitment of the track owners, Larry Heminger, John Morocco, and Richard Poligrudo, is the reason. I thank these gentlemen for their marketing partnership with Rappin' on Racing. Through their support, our show was able to bring all of the motorsports news to our many listeners.
2: proudly presented Rapping on Racing, the Tri-State's number one motorsports talk show. Today's program was brought to you in part by our marketing partners, recognized by the Eastern Motorsports Press Association as one of the top racing shows in the eastern United States. Have a great week, and be sure to tune in next Monday for another installment of Rapping on Racing. Stand
3: on it. come on y'all, stand on it.